Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, we were a music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we've got Schizophonic by Jerry Halliwell. It's Jerry time. So after a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about Melanie C, we are not wasting any time. Uh, we had a lovely buffer with Goldfrap and that wonderful album last week. Wonderful. But we wanted to crack on and get our next Spice Girl out there as soon as possible. So we're going to be talking about Schizophonic today. And Jerry Halliwell. Now, Dan, the 31st of May, 1998. What do you remember about that day? Well, it's my 12th birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, which was marred by a significant event. Yes, it was. It's the day that Jerry announced her, officially announced her departure from the Spice Girls. Um, and Jerry left, sadly. So this album, unlike Melanie C, this album came before any of the other Spice Girls solo albums. Yes. This was the first Spice Girls solo album. Of course, Jerry had a bit more time to work on it because she was no longer with Spice Girls. Interestingly, Jerry wanted to work with some songwriters from the Spice Girls days, but the other Spice Girls blocked it. Really? And said they wouldn't work with them again with absolute Andy Watkins and Paul Wilson. Oh. But eventually that was all made good. Well, I think they probably knew because we all felt back then, I think, that... Jerry, as the unofficial leader of the Spice Girls and the you know the, one of the most recognisable women in the world at that point, I think we all felt that her solo career was going to be something huge. And for a moment in time, it was. And do you think Jerry thought she was going to be as big as Kylie or Madonna at the time? Oh, absolutely. And but I think a lot of people did. I certainly did. We probably thought she was going to do a Robbie. Yeah, and it all and it all felt like that's the way it was going to play out at the time. What do you think? getting quite deep quite early. What do you think hindered that from happening? So I remember when Jerry released her debut solo single, Look At Me, and obviously we'll go into it in much more detail later, but that didn't get to number one. I, I, I imagine that she felt that that was kind of a bit of a... Uh, what's one I'm looking for? Slap in the face? Nope. Kicking the balls? N- absolutely not. Uh, spanner in the works. Okay. <laughs> um, because... At the time, Boyzone released You Needed Me, and they said to their fans, uh, if this goes to number one, we'll release our greatest hits. And their stupid fans bought it and made it number one, when of course they were going to release the greatest hits anyway. But that's by the by. I I don't really know why it didn't work out so well, because I genuinely enjoyed the second album, but of course that's when it started to... The sales and the chart figures started to decline a little bit. So I think we're very keen... I think we, it's fair to say we both still love Jerry. Absolutely, yeah. She is and always has been and always will be my favourite Spice Girl. It was so good to see her on stage, oh. wasn't it? Just a few months ago now. Yeah. For, for listeners, I just I threw my head back then when I said yes because it, it really was amazing. And certain moments from that tour, you know, even when she sang in Viva Forever, she sang... Uh, Victoria's line back where I belong now was it just a dream and it genuinely felt like she was back where she belonged with the Spice Girls and it actually controversially didn't matter that Victoria wasn't there it's amazing what a bit of maturity a bit of a different perspective and uh, several million pounds can do (laughs) doesn't it so Uh, I think we're being quite uh, critical straight away with this episode more than ever 
but I kind of feel that when you do admire someone so much, it allows you to be a bit more, it allows you to notice the negatives as well as the many more positives. So, Schizophonic, debut album from Jerry Halliwell. This was released in, uh, in June 1999. It was very successful commercially. Sold over 3 million copies worldwide. Spawned four singles, which we're going to come on to talk about as well. Um, so, Dan, should we get stuck in? Let's get stuck in. So, side one, track one is Look At Me. My little white Look at me there, the first ever Jerry Halliwell single. What do you think? She's definitely channeling a little bit of uh, Shirley Bassey. Shirley Bassey. Big band, big band style. Yeah. A bit of Madonna in there as well. I think she was definitely going for that huge, uh, iconic diva. She's brassy in more ways than one. Yes. Uh, I think it's the perfect single to launch a solo career with. It's big, it's bold. It's unapologetically honest as well uh, in the lyrics. Yeah. Uses there. Re- yeah, really clever lyrically. Good looking, bad tasting, full bodied, butt wasted. She was the driving force of a lot of the Spice Girls singles and their lyrics. Things like Love is Blind as Far as the Eye Can See from uh, Too Much and If You Put Two and Two Together, You'll See What Our Friendship Is For from Say You'll Be There. So I do actually wonder, because it's been so long since she released a solo album, what is she doing? Does she still have these lyric ideas? What is she doing with them if she does? Is she writing a poetry book? She'd be a great songwriting partner uh, to mentor maybe some younger, up-and-coming female stars in yeah. the future. It's, I, I often think it's a shame that she never got a permanent position as a judge on The X Factor, because she, she jumped in as a guest judge a few times. But yeah, never went She'd any been a cracking choice for that. Yeah. Uh, certainly out of the five, I think she would have been like the most obvious, surely, yeah. choice. This was, you said it before, number two in the charts. Mm. She would have been furious about that. Well, there was a, a documentary that went out around this time of the first Oh, album. yeah, it was on Channel 4. Yes, yeah. called Jerry. And I th- I'm pretty sure that there's a scene where it charts number two and she cries. And I think she probably would even herself look back now and think that was quite British. When I think about pop stars crying at chart positions. Lisa Scott Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Bless her. And this was one of very few solo Spice Girl songs to be featured in the ill-fated Viva Forever. The musical. Yes. And I think I mentioned before, I did see the musical and I don't think it was as bad as people made out. I'd happily pay money to see it again. And I hope at some point they do revive it in some way or another. Especially with the current, you know, the Spice World Tour is finished, but there are apparently other projects in the works. It'd be great to think that Viva Forever was coming back in some capacity. And just to get a flavour of how close Jerry was to Boyzone in the charts, it was 700 copies different. Which, back in the day, yeah, how many singles were bought every week. That's not much. Not much at all, is it? An iconic video as well. You had Jerry in 
four very different guises. Is guises a word? Guises. Like disguises. Or phases of her career. Yeah, and she was a nun, she was a vamp. And it was quite funny, early this year when Madonna was talking about Madame X and all the different things Madame X was, uh, somebody on Twitter pointed out that she was just ripping off Jerry from the Look At Me video. And then there's the iconic scene where she is in the coffin and it's like she's burying Ginger Spice. And then she lets out that little giggle. Uh, little did she know, many years later, that would all be back up in the, in the air again. I know. And I imagine at the time, when like, you know, living in the moment, she probably didn't think she would ever be Ginger Spice or Jerry Hallowell again. Mm. At, that, at that point, it was all, you know, animosity. But here we are now. It was so lovely seeing them all genuinely enjoying. I don't care what you read on the Daily Mail or whatever. They look like they're having a great time all together at yeah, those gigs. It really did. I hope it isn't the last time we get to see them. So, track number two now. Lift me up. It's gonna be alright. But when my sky clouds over, lift me up. When the day is so when the sun is good, I will be your angel now. Lift me up. So lift me up there there's always been something about the intro to that song that's reminded me of the lion king and the score from the lion king really yeah i can't quite put my finger on it not my cup of tea so i wouldn't know about that but i would know this is an insanely catchy fun pop song it really yeah it's very very poppy isn't it and do you what do you think to that key change Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm a Eurovision fan going way back, so of course I'm going to love a key change in a song. How do you think this would have done at Eurovision? It wouldn't have done very well. (laughs) It's very light. It's like a butterfly uh, just fluttering on a a little flower that's yet to open, (laughs) trying to coax it open. (laughs) You're like a... you, You remind me of a young David Attenborough. Oh, thank you very much. If I live to be as old and successful as he is, then I'll be, uh, I'll be on to something. This was... So, Dan, a bit of a battle when this came out. I know. It wasn't until we were getting into uh, talking about this album that I forgot, completely forgot, that this was probably the biggest chart battle since Oasis and Blur. It was Halliwell versus Bunton. Yes. This song and Emma Bunton's uh, collaboration with Tintin Out, What I Am. And maybe the editing fairies will put a little bit of that song in now, just to remind us. I don't know if they will, but do you think they will? I think they might. What I Am from Tintin Out featuring Emma Bunton. And what's really interesting is, of course, there was only 700 copies between uh, Jerry Halliwell and Boyzone when they beat her. This time around, Jerry was, she sold 30,000 copies in the first week, more than uh, What I Am, which is huge. And a quick shout out for Tintin Out. I am an old school fan of their remixing and producing. The one that really sticks out for me is Here's Where the Story Ends. 
that's a brilliant one. This is that's when they were doing more, I guess, more of a poppy kind of commercial thing. Mm. But they had three albums: Adventures into Internet Land, Always, and Eleven to Five. Always is probably my top pick. Um, and there's some great songs on there, including a collaboration with Tony Hadley. Oh, lovely! Yes, big fan of Tony's. Uh, which is a really good song called "Dance with Me." Anyway, back to Jerry. So this song was again written with the Absolute team. Andy Watkins and Paul Wilson. This time they had Tracy Ackerman with them who has sporadically appeared on some of their collaborations, some of their songwriting credits. Notably, Tracy has worked with uh, Bewitched on Sailor V and Roller Coaster and Blame It on the Weatherman. Also on, one for you here, Will, Girl Thing, Girls on Top. Oh, I love that one. It's a great song. Uh, and a couple of, um, she seems to do a lot of the album tracks, so a few from... Uh, S Club and S Club Juniors as well. And do you remember the video for this one? Uh, uh, vaguely. Something in the desert, maybe? She's driving around in an open-top car, and I think there are some aliens. And I wonder if it's the same aliens from Spice World the movie. So, something you should do now, Will. Track three, Walk Away. <laughs> lift me up there were parts of the music of that one that reminded me of the Lion King score there are parts of this song Walk Away that remind me of the Titanic score and I was pointing them out to you as it was playing there what do you think? I can, I can see and hear it there I would probably say it's the best part about that song Oh, it was ludicrously over the top it's clearly very autobiographical isn't it it's about her split from the Spice Girls uh, they did Goodbye of course as a four piece after she left their third Christmas number one and, and Jerry did walk away. But it is very traumatic. It's a little bit too... It's a bit much for me, actually. Too much? Too much of some things. Bad enough. Yeah. I, I, I don't dislike it at all. I think in the sense that it's her own solo take, and it, it made me think of a couple of weeks ago when we thought about Melanie C's Feel the Sun, which was kind of felt like her take on the wild ride that was the Spice Girls and, and how she needed to do her own thing. Uh, and here Jerry's singing about walk away with pride, with my head held, head held high, and it just feels right to be one. But it's funny, because when you mentioned earlier about Shirley Bassey and that kind of nod to her and look at me, kind of hurt a bit in this one as well. She's, it's very big, it's very bold, it's very brassy. I think she's clearly really trying to be that big solo voice. And I think the big thing with Jerry is she doesn't need to try because everything that's wonderful about her, it's just, it's just her. Yeah, and that was one of the lovely things. So gushing about Spice World 2019 again, but one of the wonderful things was seeing Jerry Halliwell become Ginger Spice again as, a, as, as opposed to the kind of, you know, Instagram videos of her baking cakes with her kids which is lovely but But I love the way how those spice personas were done in a very tasteful uh, appropriate way for their age like she didn't have her breasts pushed up to her eyeballs and the skirt as short as you like it was all very very elegant very styled very tailored really nicely done Mm. back to the solo album though because we can't gush about Spice Girls forever as much as I would want to 
so track four now. Michiko Latino. Michiko Latino te quiero, o simplemente te sea. Yo lo sé, el camino es un sueño latino. Take me back to my sweet la vida. Find my love, my dolce vita. Show me where I need to go. ¿Dónde está Michiko So that was Michiko Latino, um, which was the second single from Jerry Hale. And it, Dan, it doesn't follow my formula for female solo artists. It's the third track that should be the Spanish Latino song, not the second track. So who are you talking about? So if you think about Cher... We had Believe, Strong Enough, then Dove Le More. Mm. If you think about Gina G, we had Ooh, Just a Little Bit, I Belong to You, then Tiamo. <laughs> um, it should be, you should have the big, bold first single. Look at me. You should have the slightly different but still banging second single. And then you should have the third single, which is the slightly Latino, flamenco, uh, European-inspired track. So do you think Lift Me Up should have been the second single, or Bag It Up, which is coming later? Lift Me Up is the perfect second single. Hmm. I think, I, you know, I, I do not disagree with you at all. Do you think that this was chosen because it was August, it was summer, and it felt like very much like a summer song, whereas Lift Me Up came... Uh, sort of October time. I think that, I think that was probably the thinking behind it. Yeah. But um, I was, it's just interesting. I think if we were to do some more pop research, mm. we'd probably find other female solo artists with similar um, structures in their releases. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to delving a little bit deeper into this. But as for the song, Machico Latino, what are your thoughts? It, it's a fun song, isn't it? It's... Um, it is it's what you expect it to be, isn't it? Yeah. This is Jerry drawing on her Spanish heritage. She's got uh, her mum was from Spain and there's that fantastic Spanish rap rap? No, it's not a rap. Spanish uh middle ape in the middle of the song. Later in the song. Two thirds of the way into the song. Just it's a in the song. Pop update for you. Yeah. Um so the record company wanted to release Lift Me Lift Me Up as a second single. Really? Um, but the writing producing team wanted bag it up, so Jerry just chose to go with neither of those <laughs> and went with this instead. Well, good for her because this became her first number one, which led to this was the first of a string of four number ones. And who knows if if it would have been one of the others, maybe this one had gone to number one or that one had gone to number one. Who knows? She did the right thing. But I think it's a great song. This is, of course is very. Um, sort of Latin pop and it does make me think of Living La Vida Loca which came out that same year uh, also hints of Spice Up Your Life as well when hearing this song at, and I think about seeing it live it makes me think you know Jerry's never done a solo tour what, what sort of venue do you think she could have sold out? it's difficult I think at the time if you think about this she had four number one UK singles in a row the album I think it peaked at number four but it did very well um, second album also top five I think certainly could she have done arenas maybe maybe not maybe not maybe Alexandra Palace oh I'm not going up there to see her no way <laughs> um, climbing up Mount Kilimanjaro but 
It seems like yeah. she had just a few hurdles in a way that stopped her. The same things that stopped her becoming, you know, the next Robbie or Madonna are the same things that stopped her, you know, a, a good time for her to tour. Uh, and then I think she was going to support Girls Aloud on one of their arena tours and that didn't work out either. Well, that would have been an interesting combination. Mm. Intrigued. Very much so. She did, though, a couple of years ago when she released Angels and Chains, her most recent solo single. She did a night at uh, Heaven in London where she played a few of the bangers, including, of course, It's Raining Men. Of course. Of course. Track number five now, and this is something I just saw you give to the delivery driver as he went on his way. A fiver, a tip. Good night, kiss. Because, boy, you're killing me. So that was too much. Oh no, sorry. That was <laughs> good night kiss. Good night kiss. I'm sorry. I am going to compare it to too much because it does sound like too much by the Spice Girls. Definitely has got that like jazzy, bluesy influence, hasn't it? And again, as I mentioned earlier, I think Jerry played a big part in the writing of Too Much. So it kind of uh, makes sense that that might be something that influences her. It does really seem. I'm listening to this with new ears because some of the things that you've said, which is which is enjoyable actually. But yeah, it does definitely feel that she's much more of a fan of classic 50s blues, jazz, uh, and all that kind of thing than just upbeat pop music. I'm not the biggest fan of that. Um, but have you noticed there are already a couple of tracks I could have called Armour Artwork, but I haven't yet. You haven't yet? It's that sort of album. I, I do like this. I mean, as we've said thousands of times, I've got a very soft spot for Jerry, so... I've got my boxing gloves on for anything you say that's out of order. Uh, and you, but you've been very considerate at the moment, I have to say. Well, I think I'm, I'm really, I love and respect Jelly, Jelly Halliwell. <laughs> I think she's had a fantastic career and I think she's also been very canny about what she does, when she does it and who she works with. Mm. Uh, and long may she continue that. I just hope she still has a profile now the tour's over. Because I know she's, she's mum, she's wife. You know, she enjoys a quiet life, probably in the country. I mean, she's got a big house in Hampstead or something as well. Mm. She does enjoy her quiet life, but she also likes to post about it on Instagram quite a lot. Okay. Which is nice for me, because I like to see what she's up to. So, track six. Let's back it up. Just a bad piece of So that was Bag It Up, my favourite song on the album. Yeah, I can see why. That is the most upbeat, funkiest, danciest song on here. Uh, There's a real message of female empowerment. Yes. And gender reversal uh, in objectification in that as well. Can you just come up with that? Yes. Very good. Proud of you. 
Uh, and the video is uh, quite a sexy number, featuring lots of uh, men doing what they're told by Jerry Halliwell. Mm. I'm sure they didn't mind that. No, no, no. They were being paid. Um, this was a number one for Jerry, once again. Yeah, a third of four number ones. And do you remember the Brits' performance? I knew you were going to mention this. Because it's not the first time I've mentioned this on this yeah. series. Where she appeared from a giant pair of legs. And the, the most interesting thing for me about this was, you know, it was a fantastic performance and it arrived just three years after the iconic Spice Girls performance uh, of Who Do You Think You Are? Which, only listening to this song today, I've realised how similar they are. Both quite funky, quite brassy. Um, something about this makes me think about the 80s and maybe like Wham! or something like that as well. Well, do you know what? I'm just going to hold on to that thought because two of the backing singers were Pepsi and Shirley. No way. Yeah. I think my brain had pushed that right to the back. I think I knew that and forgot it. Yet, yeah, for me, the Brits thing, the most weird thing about that is that that same year, Spice Girls received the outstanding contribution award so they were all there at the same time and there's big rumours of whether Jerry was going to come on stage with them to accept it and ultimately she didn't but clearly I mean I imagine they didn't bump into each other backstage but it's so I find that so weird that they were all there and not talking well I'm thinking it would still be quite raw yeah it was only a couple of years red raw in fact yeah. yeah like chafing after a marathon run mm. chub rub Oh, this was a big anthem, actually, at the time, and backed up by some, uh, uh, by a raft of remixes uh, from the likes of the Trouser Enthusiasts. I don't know if we've mentioned them before. You're quite the Trouser Enthusiast enthusiast, aren't you? I, I do enjoy their remixes. They're very, very pounding dance remixes. Mm. I find them really good for running to, actually, because oh, yeah. they're quite a relentless beat to them. But uh, one of the trouser enthusiasts is our old friend Ian Masterson. Oh, friend of the podcast. Um, friend, and of Rama. friend of Banana Rama. Um, it's not a euphemism. <laughs> but he's worked, still working with the girls a lot. Um, but he's uh, done a lot of remixes in his time. Also, D Bop and Yomanda, who back in the late 90s, early noughties, were quite prolific for doing pop remixes. Mm. And you know, I feel like this is. I don't know if this is allowed or not. I feel like I want to give a hint of a tease of the fact that, you know... Just what, in... what, 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 what are you doing? We're, we're not finished yet. Oh, well, not about next, not even about next week, just about the, the, the distant future. We've talked about maybe some episodes that focus on some of those iconic remixers who were around at the time. I just wonder if any of our listeners would be interested to hear that. Yeah, it'd be good to know, actually. Drop us a... This... Thoughts on a postcard. Yes, P.O. Box... Something, something. Or tweets us. <laughs> um, but, you know, thinking about almighty Sleeve Sisters, Motivate, you know, it would be quite nice to collect some of their songs. Be, and share we'd be remiss for not saying the name Xenomania at this point. As a remixer? Yeah, they've done a lot of remixes. In fact, before they were producing pop songs, they were doing a lot of remixes. And oh. in fact, if you look at... Um, what's the name of that girl group? It's Xenomania. Of, the new one? The new one. Uh, no one knows. They've been they've remixed um, as well as producing songs. They've they provided remixes for them as well. Hmm. What's the name of that girl group? Oh. Looking for a hug. That song is brilliant. Um, should we get back to you after the next <laughs> song? <laughs> so a bit of research about that. We'll get back to you sometime. 
after this next song, which is Sometime. Treat me kind, keep me safe, show me love, I'll embrace. If you take me home, where I was born, I'll find peace of mind. So. Sometime there, and I've always loved how that song starts like a church service. It doesn't go how you think it's going to go, does it? No. Thankfully. Thankfully, no. (laughs) (laughs) And even when it does kind of, it goes from the purely sort of church choir, then it goes into more of a pop song, and then it's got this really like weird, slightly rockier moment as well. It's... It's an interesting composition, isn't it? Um, yeah. I wonder what the thinking was behind that. I feel like this was just, once again, Jerry experimenting a bit and thinking about how she could become this pop star, but not, you know, Spice Girls were, a year before, the biggest pop thing on the planet ever. Um, and she was thinking about how she could create a sound for herself that was going to be as successful, but not sounding like one-fifth of the Spice Girls. And I think, you know, as we talked about with Melanie C a couple of weeks ago, this doesn't sound like a Spice Girls song. No, where there are other tracks on the album that do. Bag it up and walk away. Yes, exactly, yes. And uh, I wonder if this next one does as well. This is track number eight, Let Me Love You. It doesn't matter how we get there, can do this. I think it is. Mm. I never thought I'd say the name Jerry Halliwell and the musical instruments sitar in the same sentence. Then again, you probably never thought you'd say it about Gareth Gates when he first uh, entered, I was going to say the X Factor, but it was Pop Idol, wasn't it? Mm. Do you know that? I think that's... I've referenced Gareth Gates and the Kumars far too many times throughout this <laughs> series. Any, any, any chance I get to reference that, I do. But it's hard to believe... Like, Gareth Gates has disappeared. I think he's more one of those kind of celeb Instagram OK Magazine people now, whereas Will yeah. Young just released another album. Mm. Very good. Have you listened to it? Was it Stuart Price on production? Uh, Richard X. Richard X? Throughout? Yeah, well, I think he... Yeah, I think so. Mm. Uh, have you listened to it? No, I've listened to bits of it. And that is kind of my relationship with Will Young for the last... Decade probably. I don't. I don't. I didn't know you were involved. Apologies. <laughs> it wouldn't be very professional for me to talk about our uh, more intimate moments. It's business and pleasure. So speaking of good songs, uh, this isn't one. Unfortunately, <laughs> can you not? It's another interesting direction to take. Yeah, it almost feels like again in this album trying some stuff out, seeing how it falls. I. I think the thing with this album is, yeah, I don't think every song is a masterpiece, but 
it just is another one of those albums that bring is I found very nostalgic. Interestingly, just thinking about how you're talking about this album in quite a rude way. Sure no, I'm never rude. Never rude. Uh, I saw I, I was I stumbled upon a clip recently on Twitter, uh, someone sharing how Melanie C was asked what she thought about Jerry's solo work on a chat show, and uh, she, I think she was half trying to be sort of uh, politically correct and half trying to just stir up a little bit of something and she I think she did say that it's not for her not for her not for her on to track 9 now the penultimate track on Schizophonic someone's watching over me So that was Someone's Watching Over Me, and that song was, it's quite literal in the lyrics, that was written uh, for Jerry's dad, who sadly passed away before um, her fame and fortune and everything else that came with it. But what I particularly like about that is a lyric, although sometimes I wish you'd look away from me, and the idea that we always think that the people that we love who pass away, we think they're watching over us, but actually, do we want them to watch over us with everything that we do? I know you certainly wouldn't want that. Well, how would you know? Some of the things you get up to over a weekend. No, that's... Disgusting. That's slander. Absolute slander. Now, it's unfortunate that I'm going to have to make this next segue after what you've just said. Drum roll. What a fantastic time to talk about the album artwork. And... I genuinely do think it's great album artwork. Well, it's an interesting approach here, actually, because what you've got is two different album covers. One is white, it's bright, uh, there's clearly a wind machine on the go there, Mm. um, which uh, is the first one with Jerry looking at the camera. The second one, it's dark red, Mm. it's quite sultry. You can spy kind of a a chesty area. Um, (laughs) Uh, and it's meant to represent the angel and devil, isn't it? Yeah. And from what I remember on the back of the CD, each track, I think it was either written in white or red or it had some sort of logo. And it signified whether it was a kind of an angelic track or whether it was a, a devilish track. And I think she did the same, actually, with Scream If You Want to Go Faster. There were, there were different kind of codes for what the songs meant. Uh, nice to have that variety in there, though. Yeah. And you could um, not only flip the front, uh, the sort of CD inlay, but you could take out the CD disc tray and flip the other side as well to have, you know, so it all matched. But what's difficult about that is, you know, sometimes when you try to remove those disc trays and mm. they snapped, I don't think you took that We've into consideration. We've all been in that position and it's, it's not a nice position to be in. No, it's awful. But just touching on the song uh, quickly before we move on, Something that it's kind of throughout this album, but something I certainly found with this song, I knew all of the lyrics. And aside from this week listening to the songs ahead of the uh, recording, I haven't properly listened to this album for years, and I just find that fascinating. Don't you find that fascinating that some song lyrics stick in muscle your head? memory? Yeah. yeah. 
but it made me think as well. A, I wonder if Jerry remembers the lyrics to this. And B, I wonder how often she goes back to listen to this album. Oh, interesting thought. Mm. And I suppose the same with Victoria with her album or Mel C with Northern Star or any of them. Track 10 now. This is You're in a Bubble. Ah, it's important to learn to laugh at ourselves. Don't take life too seriously. You're in a bubble. The money's just double. So call the police. Cause you're So that was Join a Bowl. That was the last track on the album. And what a horrible way to end an album. <laughs> it said, I think even Jerry would say that is not a nice piece of music to listen to. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get into that. I just can't, I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, it doesn't, it feels like she was trying to get a message across. There's lots of theories that it's referencing the Spice Girls, of course, you're in a bubble and things like, um, give baby a cuddle and rich bit sugar daddy, uh, which I think I read once were references to Victoria Beckham. Um, yeah, it just it's it's even I think when I used to listen to this album a lot back in the day on my Sony CD Walkman, I think I'd probably turn it off after the last song. After sorry, the song before this. Just to talk about how this album performed overall. So this album got to number four in the UK album chart um, and it had very mixed reviews when it came out. Mm. Um, and if I had to kind of put an average on it, I would say four out of ten. That's not great. Uh, so not amazing. I think there were certain tracks and most often uh, from what I've read, the singles that were called out as kind of good tracks. But as the album as a whole was very averagely received. Mm. But... So that's the end of Schizophonic, but it's not the end of the episode. We have our further listening. What are the rules for further listening this week, for <laughs> Jerry Week? Well, believe it or not, despite some of your attitude towards Jerry on this episode, <laughs> I think at some point I'd like to go back and talk about some of the future albums. I'll kind of force you into it. Um, so I'd like to kind of stick around this era because she was very generous with her remixes, with her B-sides, with cover versions... So it'd be great to just touch upon the schizophonic. Maybe there is more out there uh, and there are better tracks out there than actually appeared on the album. Would you like me to go first? I'd like you to go first. So I am going to go for a cover of a very famous Paul McCartney and Wings track, a Bond theme. Uh, It's Live and Let Die. He used to say This ever-changing world in which we're living Makes you give it a cry Live and let die That was Live and Let Die. Well, what did you think? Uh, Not as much of a butchering as I thought it was going to be, actually. I mean, are you a fan of the original? Yes, yes, of course. Who isn't? Who isn't? I mean, every uh, jubilee and Olympic ceremony that 
London House will feature that song in some capacity. Oh, there was some nice xylophone work in there as well. Yes, lovely. Which Jerry played herself, I believe. Oh, good for her. I think I made that up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why she covered that song. It wasn't for anything in particular. I don't believe it was the B side from "Lift Me Up." Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a fun song. Uh, Will, what have you gone for? Time for another cover. Oh, interesting. Something that's probably a little bit more on the nose for Jerry. Um, this is her cover of "These Boots Are Made for Walking." That's more like it, isn't it? What a fun song. I think she's definitely in more comfortable territory covering that song. And it was also on the soundtrack to the hit film, Rugrats in Paris. Do you remember that film? No. <laughs> <laughs> there was some... That, what a soundtrack. It goes down in history with the likes of Pulp Fiction and uh, Titanic. There's things on there like um, Tina Marie with uh, Jazzy Rugrat Love. Uh, Isaac Hayes doing Chucky Chan, martial arts expert of Reptile Land. Uh, and Cindy Lauper with I Want a Mum That Will Last Forever. Aww. What a great great note to end on, because we're out of time. We are, and that is the end of our second Solo Spice uh, episode. What a mixed bag. Yeah, our first Jerry Halliwell episode, and if I've got my way, not the last. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Mm. Um, But it'll be good to talk about another Spice Girl before then. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) <laughs> so do let us know what you think to Jerry Hallowell's schizophonic at move to trash UK hashtag track by track uh, and if you like what you hear do pop on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a comment is always lovely to read it really is makes our day and if you are a fan of films like Rats in Paris the movie then don't forget to check out Torn Stubbs the Trash Movie Podcast. And I know for a fact that Robert Gershenson is a massive fan of the Rugrats. Well, I think he likes this movie and Joshua Winning prefers the first one. We'll let them argue that out in the office next door. Yes. So Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next week? So next week we have got uh, a male solo artist with his second solo album. Uh, prior to that, he was in a very famous... Australian duo. That's too much, isn't it? I've said too much. (laughs) (laughs) You always say too much. I do. Too much of something is quite good. So do join us next time. And until then, I've been Emma Bunton. And I've been Tintinite. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.